Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you Teaching on this important subject, working in love. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, we come across this important scripture that says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and work in love. Somebody say, work in love. The subject of love is a very, very important subject in Scripture, especially for us in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 34, he said, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35 says, by this will all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So far we have been able to establish the definition for love. That love is a decision. Everybody say love is a decision. Love is not a feeling. It's a decision to commit your affection towards someone permanently. But the important thing I want to bring to your notice today is that love is not just a decision. It's also an action. Love is an action. Everybody say love is an action. What this means is that it's not enough to tell somebody, I love you. Your actions must show that you truly love people. And if you are someone who loves people, you don't need to say it. People will know that you truly love people. So love is not words. In the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, 1 John 3, 18, the Bible says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in what? Truth. Take your time and look at this scripture carefully. It says, my little children, let us not love in word. That means that there are many, 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 many Christians who talk love. In fact, they preach love, but they don't practice it. They preach love, but they don't Practice love. Turn to the and tell him, don't preach love. Practice it. Most of the time, people come to you and start preaching love because they want to take advantage of you. They want you to allow them to exploit you, to use you, to take advantage of you, and get away with it. So they come to you and they tell you, the Bible said we should love one another, and I love you very much. You are this, you are that, you are that, but they have an agenda, you know. And we have to be very, very smart not to be carried away with what people say only. We have to be very, very smart Christians that the words of people alone, words are important, isn't it? Bible says, Death and life is in the power of the tongue. So words are important. Sometimes it's good for people to compliment you. But don't be carried away with that alone. He said, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in what? 
deed, actions. So before you trust people, you must be convinced that their actions correspond with their sayings. Yeah, if somebody say, I love you, you know, I'll die for you. Take your time, watch it. Can this person really die for me? <laughs> or is just joking? Because people can say a lot that they don't mean. But the Bible is teaching us that when Jesus said we should love, he's not just saying we should be pretenders and be sweet talkers, but we must be very genuine in our relationship with people. He says, so he said, but we should love indeed in our actions. In our actions. And not only that, in truth. So sometimes people can display an act of love which is not even true. So love is an action. Actually, love in the original translation is a verb. It's an action. It says love one another. First John 4 verse 7. It says, beloved, let us love one another. So it's an action. Say one more time. Love is an action. Very, very important. Today, I want to help all of us to answer an important question. How do I practice love? How do I show love by action? How do I make this whole subject of love very practical in my day-to-day life, in my dealings with people, in my relationship with people, because love is a life that you must live. Love is what? It's a lifestyle. It must become a lifestyle. Love must become a lifestyle for you. And I pray that, you know, as we study this thing, the Spirit of God will bring all of us to that place where love becomes our lifestyle. You know, last Sunday, I was after, in, I think in the evening, I was having a conversation with my wife, and um, we were talking about last Sunday service, you know, when my pastor came and everything that happened, and we were discussing. So we were having a conversation about ourselves as Christians since we became born again, because I was telling my, my wife about the different, different, different pastors that whose hands I passed through from Pastor Fred to different pastors, I will not mention any names. And I was, we were discussing what made the difference between each pastor. And we were looking at those that are doing very well, those that are not doing well, those that are, you know, we're looking. And, and uh, we we're discussing our different experiences with different pastors. And, and, and I told my wife that everything we are discussing comes to one simple word. And that is attitude. Attitude. Everybody say attitude. You know, um, those of you who read my book, Success Your Birthright, I, I wrote about an important research that was conducted in uh, uh, university in the U.S. called Stanford University. And they did a research, a very extensive research on success. And they found out that success is... 75% attitude and 25% principle. 
that means you can know the principles of success and still be a failure because um, it is not just doing the principles that make you successful, but who you are because attitude is who you are. Yeah. So um, I'm saying this today because uh, love is an attitude that we have. In fact, I read a book authored by a very great writer. His name is Zig Ziglar. This man talked about five attitudes that produce success. He talked about five attitudes. The first one is faith, and that is your attitude towards God. Faith. Zig Ziglar said, faith is your attitude towards God. Then he said, hope is your attitude towards the future. And he said, forgiveness is your attitude towards the past. And he said, confidence is your attitude towards yourself. And love is your attitude towards your neighbor. So faith is your attitude towards God. And uh, the Bible teaches us to have faith. Hope is your attitude towards the future. Um, if you are a very hopeful person, it, it makes you see the future with positive expectation. Forgiveness is your attitude towards the past. Well, the only way you can walk away from the past and move on into the future is to be able to do a, lot, a, a very you know, serious work of forgiveness because unforgiveness ties you to the past. Uh, confidence, your attitude towards yourself. And love is your, is your attitude towards others. Now, if you, if you look at the book of 1 Corinthians 13, Verse 13, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. The Bible makes it very simple here. It says, and now abides faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Now abides faith, hope, and love. The Bible says three things that are very, very crucial and relevant to your life and to your success. Faith, hope, and love. But of these three, the greatest is what? Love. Because if you don't have love, your faith won't work, and your hope will become a daydream. The greatest. So if somebody asks me today, what is the most important duty of a Christian today? I will say, love. The most important duty of any Christian is what? Love. Because, give me verse 1, 1 Corinthians 13. It says that powerful prayer without love is just noise. It's empty noise. Powerful tongues without love is empty noise. Then he went on to say, powerful prayers without love will not get any answer from God. And he talked about Spirituality. Spirituality without love is a fake one. So, the greatest duty, lift our right hand and say that my greatest duty as a child of God is to walk in love. I can't hear you say my greatest duty as a child of God is to walk in love. Then to your neighbor and tell him your greatest duty as a Christian is to walk in love. That is why Jesus, John 13, verse 34, 
He said, a new commandment. So, everything else you do should follow love. As you serve in church, it should follow love. If you don't love, your service in church will soon become an irritation, a nuisance, a problem. That's why there are people serving church and they are problem on the past, a burden. There are people who give, but not out of love. But God is more interested in your love than in your giving. That is why he took Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering. So it means that today God can reject our offering. He can reject our tithes. God is not just interested in you working hard in church and busy yourself and doing so many things. He first wants you to have the right attitude to your neighbor. All right, so when we read the book of 1 Corinthians 13, it teaches us how to practice love, how to practice love. When I started doing very intensive study on the subject of love for the past three years, something happened to me. I conducted a wedding here, and when I went home, I was resting, and, you know, in our annual for officiating wedding, 1 Corinthians 13, from 1 to 13 is there. So you have to read it during the wedding. And uh, when I went home and I slept, I found myself reciting 1 Corinthians 13 in my dreams. So when I woke up, I took it and I decided to just study it and memorize it. Because I realized that it helps you to just practice love easily. It helps you. And so today, I just want all of us to read it from all the different translations. And then I will encourage you when you go home, try to memorize from verse 4 to 8. From verse 4 to 8, it says that love is patient and is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It does not, um, it, it's not proud and it's not rude. It does not take, keep record of wrong. And it does not rejoice over evil. Love bears all things, believes all things, uh, and endures all things. Love never fails. Verse 8 says, now love never fails. You come to that place. Well, what does it do to you? Anytime you want to do, some, you want to do something, these scriptures will jump back at you. If you memorize them, it will be telling you, hey, love is patient and is kind. Love does not envy people. And he does not boast. Love is not proud and is not rude. Love does not rejoice in evil. Love does not keep record of wrong. Love, it is, is that it will be speaking to you. Love believes all things. Love bears all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. You know, it becomes a part of you. I believe this is one of the most powerful scripture verses in the Bible. One of them. I believe the, the most powerful scripture verse in the Bible is John 3.16. So let's, let's, let's read 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 4. Last Sunday, last um, teaching, I did verse 1 to 3, so I will not go back to that. I hope you remember. Okay, let's read from verse 4 to 8. Ready, go. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, 
does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We'll leave it there. NIV, give us the NIV. I love the NIV version. That's what I memorized. Okay? Because when you hear a statement like love, um, in the New King James, love suffers long. To suffer long simply means be patient. So NIV from verse 4, it says, can we read it? It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Is everybody reading with me? Let's go. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, this is how we practice love. Amplified from verse 4. Can we read it together? Ready, go. Love endures with patience and serenity. I love that. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice but rejoices with the truth. When right and truth prevail, love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends message from verse 4. Can we read? Ready, go. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strike. A sword head. <laughs> doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. All right, so now as you read this over and over and over, it becomes very clear that when the Bible said we should walk in love, there are certain things that is expected of us to do, isn't it? If you give me the NIV, it says, the first thing it says is that, verse 4 says that love is patient. So we have to learn to be patient with people. Sometimes the best doesn't come out of people overnight. That is why patient people enjoy marriage a lot. Impatient people break up quickly before they even have the opportunity to enjoy their marriage. It is not by accident that God said marriage should be here for a lifetime because I've learned 
personally, that it gets better as the years go by. Dr. Otabo says it takes 10 years to steady your, your spouse. And it takes another 10 years to adjust yourself to your spouse. So after 20 years, then you start enjoying your marriage. Tell you what, it's true. It's very, very true. Patient. Love is patient. You can never be a good parent if you are not patient. Is it true? Because your children become the best of themselves after a long, long waiting. Number two, love is kind. To be kind means to be caring, to be thoughtful of others, to be generous to others, to share freely with others. Yeah, you can't say you love people and you can't share anything with them. You can't share your time with, with them, your resources, anything good you have, even your knowledge, your know-how, your everything. You can't share anything. There are some people, even if there's an um, overflow and they say, can you shift a little to somebody? Say, no, 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 no. You know, there are people who can't share. They hate people. And that's why some people love to be alone. Some people are most excited if they are alone. You know, that is ungodliness. You know, you know what the Bible says? It is not good for the man to be alone. So, so if you are very excited when you are alone, something is wrong with your attitude. You can never achieve great success because you are alone. There are people who work best alone. There are people who cannot work in a team. They cannot build a team, they cannot. So what can you do in life? You can only achieve little results because you want to achieve great results, then you need to work with people. You don't have to be able to build a team. You can't run a great multinational business alone. So that is why the most gifted people are not the best leaders because once it has to do with people, attitude comes in. So love is patient, and is kind. The next thing is say, love does not envy. And it's, the King James says, it doesn't envy or it's not jealous. Envy is to be angry at other people's success. You hate to see other people doing well. Every day it has to be you alone doing well or your children. You hate to see other people's children successful. When they praise somebody else, you are angry. When somebody else shows up with something better than yours, you are annoyed. Envy is feeling like somebody is taking your place. But the truth about this life is that the sky is so wide that all the stars in the sky, they never collide. Have you thought of that? There's never been one accident in the sky when two stars collide. So there's enough space for every one of you to be successful. You don't have to be the only successful person in the neighborhood. That's a bad attitude. That is why people rise and they destroy everybody else around. They destroy everybody else around. There are certain people, if you are very gifted, you can't you can survive around them because you are too powerful for their attitude. They will destroy you. If you find people are envious, you have to be very careful how to manage your life and not be destroyed. It is envy that made Cain to kill Abel. It is envy that made Cain to kill Abel. So it's, 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 it's not about we are Christian brothers. Christians can be very envious. They are the ones who get angry when they see you buy a new car. They will tell you you are too no. You share testimony, they will say, and so what? You announce you are getting married, oh, they, are, they won't talk to you. You know, there are people who love you when you fail. When things are going bad with you, they are always around you. They always sympathize with you. People, don't 
mistake sympathy for love. Sympathy is not love. You know, if you want to, if you want to know true love, succeed. Your true friends are the people who are comfortable with your great achievement. Not the people who are comfortable with your failure. Because if somebody, I can tell you today, if somebody loves you because you have failed, the best, that's not love. Be happy with people when they prosper, when they are successful. Even if they have things you don't have, be happy with them because it's a seed. Love is not envious. Listen, you will not always have everything before others will have. Can I say that again? You will not always have everything before others will have. Sometimes you will have something before your friend has. Sometimes your friend will have before you have. That is life. That is life. Yeah, but when you are close to people who tell you, <laughs> you know, one day I was, chat, I was chatting with a group of pastor friends and, uh, you know, one of my friends was talking about these days he thinks that he's believing God for an open door to go to the, that was those days, not now. Now it's not a prayer for many of us, but those days he was saying, oh, he's believing God for an open door to go to the U.S. to visit his um, brother and uh, also to get some ministry opportunities. And then there's this other pastor among us who said, oh, I'll go very soon. And when I go, I open the door for the rest of you. No, I, I took that as um, love. After all, he said he will open the door for the rest of us. I took that as love. But the Holy Spirit later spoke to me and said, that is not a good statement. The Holy Spirit told me the brain behind what the person said. You know, I tell you that sometimes when I'm alone, the Holy Spirit plays back things I heard. You know, that's why sometimes, you know, when you lie to me, I, I'll believe you until I'm alone. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit plays things back to me. What that person told you is a lie. What this person told you, this is not the meaning. The meaning you have for it is not the meaning. So the Holy Spirit told me, be careful with that guy. He never wants you to have anything unless he has it first. He taught me, I'm teaching you. You will meet people like that. You will meet people like that. They hate to see you have something before they have it. But it cannot always be like that. God loves you, he loves everybody else. Somebody will build before you build. There's nothing wrong with it. Go there and congratulate the person and be happy with the person. Somebody will marry before you marry. Somebody will have children before you have. Somebody will buy a car before you buy. It doesn't mean you are bad. No, that's nothing. It's not, no. God's times and season for all of us is different. Yeah, and if you know your own is on the way, then you will not be angry at other people's own. Love is, is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. So love does not boast. Boasting is bragging. Boasting is taking the credit for what you have and who you are, especially at the presence of those who don't have it. Yeah, I tell people all the time, it's not everywhere you celebrate your victory. It's not everywhere you celebrate your success. There are places you have to be quiet because you should be considerate of other people's failures. That is godly attitude. If you're working with your friend to, a, to, to an interview, <laughs> you went, both of you are praying to be taken, and, it, and you got an appointment, and your friend didn't have, you can't start celebrating in his presence. You have to sympathize with, with him. And when you get home and when you are finished consoling him and you, you, he's gone, then you can celebrate. Yeah, you can say things like, ah, me, I know I'll get it. Because the way I'm brilliant and I'm intelligent, you know, the way I answer the questions, you know, the way, you know, you start praising yourself, you start, you make the person feel, you know, there are some people, every time they come to you, 
they want to, you to feel small. So they look at things that you don't have. They look at things that you are deficient in. Or they look at your weaknesses and they start throwing their weight. If you meet a friend who has challenges in a marriage, don't talk about how good your marriage is. You are, not, you are not being gentle. You are not being godly. If somebody is going through financial crisis, don't go throwing your weight about how much money you have. That is boasting. Especially when you are taking the credits and you, are, you don't acknowledge even the, the place of God. Because the moment you acknowledge the place of God, you will not ignore the situation of your neighbor. Why? Because you knew you were there before. Amen? Yeah, I mean, all of us who are married, you knew you were single. You knew how long you prayed. So if you are married today, it's not as if you are better than people who are single. You know. You can't be looking at people who are not married and talk down at them as, as if they are the worst people in the world. Yeah, love does not boast. Love does not boast. Love does not boast. Love gives all the glory to God. Love always gives the glory to God. You acknowledge your weaknesses because you know that all that you claim to be, the reason why you are successful, other people do it, they are not successful. So beyond what you did, the God factor is also crucial. So love does not boast. And love is not proud. Pride is overestimation of yourself that makes you look down on others. Pride is when you think you are very important and everybody else is not important. That is pride. Love is not proud. And it is not rude. Verse 5 says, love is not rude. It does not dishonor others. Don't be a Christian who is rude. You talk to people with arrogance. Be decent to people. Be a decent person, even at the highest provocation. Once in a while, when you are angry, you must, um, you know, throw some bombs here and there. Once in a while. But that must not be your lifestyle. Rudeness must not be your lifestyle. And if you are a very decent person, once in a while when you get overboard with your, in your behavior, people, people understand you, that you were annoyed, that you were provoked. Hello? Yeah. But it must not be your lifestyle that you are rude. Life is not self-seeking. The message said, me first. You know, there are people, if it's not about them, they will destroy everything. They will destroy everything. If it's not about them, they will destroy everything. So it's all about them. Self-centeredness. And everywhere they find themselves, if it's in marriage, they call the shots every day. Every day things must be done their way. If it's not done their way, they will fight everything and make sure everything messes up. Even including themselves are messing up. They don't care. They will mess up. If they get to the workplace, same thing. There are people who like to, you know, self-centered, self-centered people are very controlling. They want everybody to see what they see. They want everybody to see things exactly the way they see it. They want everybody to do things the way they want it to be done. And if you are not ready to do it the way they want you to do it, they will sabotage you. They will fight you. If some people get into a department, they want control. Do it my way or, or I'll mess things up. You know, that is very devilish, and it's not love. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Now, love is not easily angered. How many of you have been angry before? 
Okay, so the Bible is not against anger, isn't it? Yeah, but it's against easy provocation. The slightest thing you are annoyed. And the slightest thing you are annoyed. The slightest thing. I mean, you just can't temper with offense. That is not love. If you love, if you walk in love, you must overlook wrong most of the times and get angry on very important offenses because some of the anger is not even worth your time and your energy. You see, if you are somebody who is easily provoked, eh, people will manipulate your mood. They will tell his neighbor, watch him. Watch, I'm, I'm going to show you something right now. Then they will, they will, they will come to you and say something. Then flare up! And they say, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you to watch? You know, there are people who know how to press a button. Right now, your beautiful face will change. Your mood will change. Your mood will change. Your behavior will change. Your attitude will change. So, if you are someone who is easily provoked, people can manipulate you. Your colleagues at work, they're always laughing. Almost every minute you are annoyed, ready to fight. You are annoyed and ready to fight. Sometimes you see people go everywhere looking for a fight. But there is more important things to spend your energy and your time on. Love is not easily angered. It does not keep record of wrongs. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are more important things to keep record of, like your birthday. <laughs> Hallelujah. Your birthday. Not only your birthday. Some of the good things that ever happened in your life. Do you know we never remember good things that happen in our life? We remember more of the bad things that happen in our life, more than the good things that happen in our lives. We are ready to keep record of the bad things people do to us. But when people do good to us, we don't even keep record of it. We forget it quickly. That's why most of the times human beings are ungrateful, but they are, they are vengeful. People do good to us, we don't remember it. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's, a, it's amazing, especially for me as a pastor. Sometimes you will do 1,000 good things to a church member. Until one day, you offend the person by mistake. And do you know what they do? They brush aside all the 1,000 good things that I did. And then they narrow down on one bad thing. And they punish me. <laughs> Married people do the same. Sometimes I ask couples, I said, the worst thing you can do is to speak evil of your spouse when you are offended at him or her. Because when you are offended at your spouse, you never remember anything good a person has done. Yeah, that's why I don't believe anybody's story the first time I hear it about his spouse. If you come to me now angry, everything you say about your spouse, the first time, I don't believe it. Because most of the time, when I see the same person and his spouse down, the story begins to change. They begin to edit and review. This year, somebody came to tell me, my husband doesn't do anything in the house. He doesn't do, I do everything. I said, ah, are you sure? I called the husband, come over, let's sit down and talk. I said, who pays the rent? He said, it's my husband. Who pays the water bill? It's my husband. Who pays the light bill? It's my husband. Who pays the children's school? It's my husband. Ah, I thought you said your husband doesn't do anything. But when you are offended, you forget every good thing that people have done to you. That is why the Bible said, do not judge people. Do you know why? Because you don't have the experience of a judge. You know, you know, before somebody is called a judge, it takes a long time. 
They practice law. In fact, in the first place, they are called to the bar. And they practice as lawyers for a long time with experience. Now they have learned a lot about issues, realities. That The stories are always not a real story. They have to look into it before they are called to the bench as a judge. So the Bible says, you don't judge. Because you don't have that experience. No record of wrongs. Don't say, I, I, I don't hate this person. But you still remember everything he did against you 10 years ago. There are people, even, even if you apologize to them, they won't forgive you. They will say, it's okay. Then they'll go back somewhere and tell the people, it's not over. It's not over. This thing is not over like that. Then they'll start narrating again everything the person did. And then in detail. Don't be like a couple I met one day. They all had diaries. So I asked them, I said, who forced you to marry each other? <laughs> who forced you to marry each other? Yeah, marriage won't work unless people can wipe out every past offenses on a daily basis. You have to just wipe them off. You have to wipe them off every day. You are here, you are keeping a grudge against your spouse. Wipe it off right now and be free. Some of you are not free. Every day, every time you are there, you feel like some burden, some heavy load is on you. You feel like your heart is not free. Like you feel like something is because of offenses. Every day you have packed things in your chest, in your heart. And you never take time to remember good things. You never take time to remember anything good that ever happened to you. But every day good things are happening in your life. Do you know? Good things are happening to you every day. Good things are happening to you every day. But you never remember it. Love does not keep record of wrong. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, love protects, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is, what I this is the verse I love most. New King James said, love bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things, and endures all things. Protect. Don't expose people's weakness. That's what it means. There are certain bad news. When it gets to you, it will end, it should end with you. Because it's not, it will destroy somebody's reputation. Oh, Pastor, but that thing is true. I know it's true, but it is not a good news. Protect people. No, not only your loved ones, everybody. Don't be a perpetrator of bad news. Protects. Love protects. Always protects. Always trust. He said, love bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Now, to believe all things means to trust people. Now, I don't know about you, but should human beings be trusted? I'm hearing yes. I'm hearing no. I hear people say, trust nobody. Is it true or not true? If it's true, does it mean I shouldn't trust you too? How many of you, you felt good when somebody told you, I trust you? How many of you felt good? How many of you think you deserve to be trusted? Let me see. Let me see. Okay, some people are saying they don't deserve to be trusted. My question is why? Because before somebody employs you, the person should, before somebody sign a contract with you as a business partner, the person should trust you. Before somebody should marry you, also, will you marry a lady you don't trust? He says, no. <laughs> Will you marry a lady who tells you, look straight in the face and say, I don't trust any man. Please, if you hear that, run. Don't, don't, marry, don't marry anybody who says, 
I don't trust women or I don't trust men. Now, if you think you deserve to be trusted, everybody also thinks he deserves to be trusted. When the Bible said it's a curse to put your trust in a man, it's different from trusting people. There are two different things. Putting your trust in somebody is different from trusting somebody. Do you get it? Putting your trust in a person is coming to the place where you have made the person the one you rely upon for the rest of your life. That, God says, only him should be relied upon. Because every human being is limited. Is it not true? Human beings are limited in their ability. Limited. Even your spouse is limited. Now, if you are sick and your spouse is also sick, who's going to take care of who? So, we should trust people. Until the person gives you reasons not to trust him. Then you stop. So, anytime you meet people, the first thing you do, trust them. And be on the lookout until they prove to you that you should not trust them. Then you stop. But don't live the rest of your life like everybody is evil. There are some people, every human being is evil. Suspicion. They are suspicious. And most of the time when you check, it's because of one person did something bad to them. Many time you see written somewhere, fear woman. It was, it was only one woman who did something wrong. I want to give this to assignment to us. First Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, I want all of us to memorize. No, no, it's wonderful. I mean, it will, it will help you. It will help you. And read it all the time. Read it in different versions and, and read it over and over and over and over. It will really change your life. It's your way, the way you relate with people, the way you deal with people. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray for more wisdom and understanding as we relate, walk in love, and as we deal with your word concerning our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.